podcast of five authors across the genres talking about the one thing we are all bound by, books. Welcome. My name is Sherry Hayes. I am a sexy contemporary romance author and BDSM author, and I am joined today for the podcast with Hannah Byron. Hannah, you want to introduce yourself? Hello, Sherry. Lovely to see you and to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, so my name is Hannah Byron, and I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum, so to say, in, in the Bound by Books, because I write historical fiction so far quite clean, but that might change in the future. Completely opposite to me. Yours are like yeah. no sex on the page, and I'm like... Put it all out oh, there. <laughs> but they do kiss. They do kiss. <laughs> and I have romance. I have plenty of romance in my books. Oh. Yeah, lovely to be here. Oh, well, we're going to kind of talk a little bit today about settings of our books and uh, some of the research that goes in, into the, all of that. Hannah, you have a book coming out here soon, don't you? Yeah, that's right. It's called The Parisian Spy. And uh, as the title explains, it is going to be quite um, an intense journey and a lot of suspense set in, in Paris for the largest part. But it actually starts in the, in the US. And then the, uh, the young heroine, Ocean Bell, goes to France because her mother is originally from France, from Paris. And she gets stuck there during the war because war breaks out in Europe in 1940. Right, right. So there's World War II, right? It's a World War II, yes. I'm, I'm writing a series called the Resistance Girls series, and that is a series on the Second World War, right? And this is the okay. third book in the series. Okay, yeah, I know it's part of the series. I'm actually getting ready to start uh, the first book of uh, in that series, The Diamond Courier. So I'm excited to kind of delve into that. It's been a while since I've read a historical romance novel. In fact, I think it's probably been close to 10 years since I picked up a historical, historical uh, romance or even historical fiction. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you are really a contemporary yeah. yeah, I don't even I don't I don't even really read much Regency romance or anything like that that is I would think, you know, that's more main, you know, romance-esque versus like historical fiction with some romance in it, uh, which is I think more along the lines of what you're writing. Yeah. Uh, I, I it's just, a different genre. Yeah. yeah that's right. I I just don't I, I I don't know what it is. I mean, I it's not that I dislike historical historical books it's just not I guess kind of you where never... my passion is mm. I guess mm. I don't know I just have always been drawn way more to contemporary I think maybe I can relate a little bit more to that but uh, contemporary for you that means that it is what is the range say is, is it or do you not even put a date yeah. on it no no I don't put a date on it at all in fact I really try to to not date my books at all. Like I try not to, to bring up stuff that, that could really date it. Like in one of my books, a character in Crossing the Line, Megan is watching reruns of CSI. And I made sure to say it was reruns of CSI, not that she was watching CSI because, you know, obviously CSI is something that's already aired. So 
you know, it wouldn't be unrealistic even 30 years from now to maybe have her watching reruns of CSI. Now, if we're talking 50 to 100 years, then maybe, maybe we got an issue there. But, you know, in the foreseeable future, it wouldn't be an odd thing to have her do because I can still watch on television. I can still watch episodes of Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know? So, I mean, it's not out of the question, but you decided to set your books or at least a series in during World War II. Kind of, I mean, obviously there's a lot going on and there's, you know, there's a lot of conflict and stuff. Is that why you decided to set your, you know, set your book during that period? Yeah, some some part of it, but listening to you, and um, I actually would like to to pick your brains on <laughs> on this idea of how important the contemporary setting is for you, because I have never I, I wrote contemporary novels before I rebranded to historical fiction, so my first books were contemporary novels but i all already found that very difficult to sort of not put it in a certain time frame because people are born at a certain time they live in a certain period like you and i do you know so you have these influences from that period that that is very hard to constantly keep it in a contemporary setting. I think that is very, a very difficult thing for me. In, in a way, it's easier just having a strict period. Right. Um, the yeah, first, say, the first decades of the 20th century, I've written a book on the First World War. And actually, the parents in that book have girls that become the resistance girls in the Second World War. But it's a very finite world. So it, right. in my opinion, it is easier, you know, because I already struggled in my contemporary work with not dating my stuff, <laughs> you know. Example you give of the CSI, you have to be aware of not doing that or not. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little more aware of it now than what I was when I first started writing. Uh, I will say there's one thing that kind of dates my Finding Anna series. Again, I wrote that back in, well, the first book published in 2011. And so I, I wrote that probably 2009, 2010. I wrote the start, the beginning of that, but, uh, and finished it up, I think in like 2013. So it, I mean, we're talking almost a decade ago. Mm. And the what there is something in there that I may have to eventually go in and and update a new edition maybe somewhere down the line. But I mentioned Skype because back then Skype was the <laughs> big big video, you know, conferencing right. thing. And um, but I'm not sure what I will change it to because he specifically asks her if she knows how to get on Skype and asks the another character. Uh, if another character could help her get on it and all this stuff, she didn't know how to do it and things like that. So I'm not sure how I would rewrite that, but I mean, Skype does still exist. I just yeah. don't know if in 10 years it's going to, it's going to yeah. exist. Yeah. Uh, Zoom yeah. is kind of just taken over everything in this, uh, in the realm. And of course now Facebook has video conferencing thing and, yeah. um, I think yeah. there's a few other ones, yeah. so who knows? But I, I, I think it will be 
inevitable that your books at some point will be dated because so interactions between people change and although of course we look for in especially in romance for the, the same sort of interactions but I think and that is in a way, my books will never date because they are set in a, in a specific time. Yeah, they're set in a part yeah. of the time that's already happened. So it's not like either it's going to go back and that time period is going to change. It is what it right. is. It's a finite thing. So yeah, I mean, in a way, it's impossible to completely not date them, but you try your best yeah. not to... Well, uh, is it important? Them. Is it important for new readers? I mean, the degree of nostalgia... Mm. involved with if you think about the time that Skype was big so to say I mean you could also say is it important yeah new readers 20 somethings won't be able to to grasp it but um yeah that is something that I find that a very interesting topic to discuss and yeah when I thought about what genre I because I was not yeah I was in the luxury position luxurious position to to decide that I wanted to rebrand, uh, it was part of, of making it easier for me, though, of course, there was a lot of research involved in it. Right. But also for contemporary settings, you need a lot of research. Right? They do to a certain extent, but I think the biggest thing with contemporary settings is, like you're saying, to try not to date your work as much as possible. I mean, you're always going to have a certain thing. I mean, look at huge writers who even well let's let's even look at you know we we're talking about the dating of contemporary work but you have plenty of historical romance authors such as like rosemary rogers and kathleen Woodowice, who wrote stuff back in the 80s and it's all his i mean it's historical it was huge back then but you look at it now you read it now Definitely. and there are things in there that you're just like that is not romance. I mean, it's not romantic, but yet it's mm. it's still considered a classic romance. So yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. that like nostalgia yeah. factor. So yeah. yeah, I agree that there is always an evolving of in every genre what people find acceptable, and I mean that is a challenge for historical fiction author as myself that I write books that don't seem dated and don't they they have to to seem fresh and uh, acceptable to to for today's readers yeah i think that's a, i think that is it has challenged no matter what genre that you write these days that you you really do have to think through which in some ways is a little sad because i think it does take a little bit of the art out of it but it's, it's one yeah. of those marketing things. It's, it's no different than you go back and look at marketing ads from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and then you compare them to marketing ads today. They're, they're worlds apart. They may yeah. be marketing the same exact item, yeah. but they're, they're completely different. Their approach is different. And I don't think that's any different when it comes to books. It's still a product. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So, but you have to be very aware that you don't, describe certain objects or a type of phone or that is on vogue or stuff like that and I dive deep into the the gadgets that were used of course (laughs) right exactly but like I like for example 
I mean, Clubhouse is a really big thing right now. It's, it's just taken off. Apple's really pushing it and it's becoming this big entity of itself. But you really wouldn't want to mention Clubhouse in a book. You may mention a site that has voice communication or a club where you can allude to it, but you don't want to actually nail it down and say Mm. clubhouse or Mm. Facebook marketplace or anything like that. I mean, you do not want to nail it down like that because you are 10 years from now that that may not exist. Yeah, but is that that is that a, a topic of discussion among contemporary authors? Yeah, actually, it is. There was a I was in a group, an author group, just this past week, and the, the girl was talking about her book, and she has she references a dating site in her book, and she was she was asking if it was okay to mention Tinder in her story, like by name. And the Mm -hmm. overwhelming response she got back was, don't mention it by name. It has nothing to do with the legalities. It has nothing to do with, oh, the tender may come back and slap you on the hand for using it or anything. It was, who knows if 10 years from now, tender will even exist. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to date your book like that. So yeah, it really is a... um, But, and it it complicates it because mm -hmm. when you can put a label on it, everybody goes like, Okay, that's that, you know. So having to avoid all that, that's what I said. That's what I find complicated about being, seems complicated about being (laughs) a contemporary author. So let me stay in my realm. (laughs) (laughs) You'll stay in the historical realm. Yeah. I mean, but for me, I don't know if I would want to, I don't know if I would want to do that much research because I, I am a stickler for research. I mean, I am, I am such a stickler for research. I have a couple who I write BDSM, of course, you know, and I have a couple who has been living the lifestyle for over 20 years and they read over every single BDSM scene that I write to make sure that it is accurate. I have, I mean, I don't like reading one of my, I don't actually don't, surprisingly enough, I don't read a lot of BDSM fiction. Mm. Even though I write in the genre, I don't Mm. read a lot of it because I am such a stickler for accuracy. I I, I want it to be accurate. I don't like it when it's, it's, if there's little things, sometimes I can overlook it, but I hate it when it's so inaccurate and so glaringly obvious that this just this does not work. I mean, I had mm-hmm. to rewrite a scene once because I sent the I sent the scene to my experts, mm-hmm. and he goes, "I had I had the man's arms chained up above his head and his uh, and a spreader bar between his legs, and I had put." the arms and his his wrists and chains first and then put the spreader bar between his legs and when I sent it to them he goes he sent it back to me and said you need to put the spreader bar on first and then do the chains because the spreader bar lowers his center of gravity like pulls him down and you'll actually stretch the shoulders out too much if you do the the wrists first so Mm -hmm. so I had to rewrite that's the kind of stuff I end up 
<laughs> yeah, but but it, it seems also hard to to research that. I mean, you must be glad, uh, happy that you have your experts that you can bounce back and forth. Because how do you you research BDSM? <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me well, instruct me <laughs> well there are a number of ways i mean there really okay. are. There, there are there are a lot of different ways i mean one you could get an expert like i have that i yeah, but that's know, great that because that's yeah. that's that's live and that is you know i think that right. is in, indispensable almost it really is and the, and the good thing is is that most people that are in the lifestyle um and i'm not talking about you know people who dabble i'm people who actually live the lifestyle most of them are pretty open and willing to help you. Okay. Like they're, okay. they're very, they're very generous on the whole. So that's nice. Um, there's also yeah. the, there are, they have in the BDSM lifestyle, there are things called munches, which are social gatherings. They don't, they don't play at these munches. They're just, they're just social gatherings. They meet at restaurants okay. and things like that. And you could go there and, and talk to people and meet people. Okay. And, you know, if you, you know, if you, are open and honest and, you know, say you're doing research and stuff. And like I said, they're for, on the whole, they're very open and, and helpful and willing to help. So that's good. And then of course um, there's hands-on experience. If you want to delve into that, they do have events and things that you can get invited to, or, or you can just go and explore it on your own. Obviously you can go and get some equipment and toys and things like that and explore it, you know, just practice on your own. I mean, yeah, yeah. I had I had to get I had to get some rope and learn how to tie a knot, a specific kind of knot for one of You're my right. for my book, uh, Burning for Her Kiss, because I had to tell my photographer who was going to be taking the picture of the models that were going to be on the cover, whose hands I wanted tied together in this knot. I had to explain to her how to do it. Right. Okay. Good. So, good. So good. I had to do all that, and then of course there's there's the porn option, but I will say that's kind of the last resort option because, as with everything, porn is not the best example or end. <laughs> No, yeah. not the best instruction. I think. I mean, yeah, I mm -hmm. I still think that yeah talking to people who actually live that lifestyle and and getting feedback on your writing is great it's, right yeah i can't really the people the people are all dead i can't do that yeah, I, was saying, people, I, don't, I don't know no, that there's a whole lot of people that are were alive during world war ii or alive anymore i think there's still a few yes that's right no, yeah not very many yeah. no that's true <laughs> that's true oh yeah. my goodness not very many well that is that is i mean like i said i think i for contemporary for me is just, I think a little more fascinating because I was just talking to Marianne in the last podcast that we did together a couple of weeks ago, that the thing that really draws me to writing is the human condition, the, the relationships, the interactions and things like that. So for yeah. me, I, I get more involved with that than mm. I do the, the, the nitty gritty of the setting, but it kind of sounds like here a little bit of the opposite. You, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. You really dive yeah. into the, the setting and the, the period itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I talked with Danielle a little bit, uh, one of her other hosts about that. I, when I am really in the flow of writing, I actually go back in time and I, I see mm. the scenes where I, I walk around and I can 
actually experience, so to say. I mean, it is, of course, still right. fantasy. But I, I really like um, going back in the in in the period. I think it is. It must be similar, like you are fascinated and interested in describing your scene. And for me, it's the same. It has a it has an intense fascination for me. I, I think, why am I still writing books about the Second World War? But <laughs> I keep returning there. There are so many stories there. I, I'm actually mm -hmm. thinking of writing some real life stories as well. People ask me, why do you make fictive characters if there are still so many beautiful stories that haven't been told? These are periods of high stakes. So yeah. there was a lot going on. People lived under immense pressure. And that brings out a lot in people. A different pressure, I think, than BSDM. BDSM. But, uh, BDSM. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but people under pressure act in a certain way. And that is what we as authors find interesting. Yes. So I always say I write about ordinary women who do extraordinary things they are pushed to the edge and then they show their true colors and I just like that that time frame I think it must be also because I have an, my own history involved in it my uncle uncle Tom who was engaged at the time to my mother's elder sister he landed on the the beaches of Normandy during D-Day and he actually came to the area where I'm living at the moment. And after the, he got friendly with a, a local doctor and he kept writing to him after the war. And my mum in 1949 decided to go and visit the area. And that's how she met my dad. So I always say Aww. I'm an in, indirect result of D-Day. You know, if my uncle hadn't come here my mum wouldn't have come here and my, my parents wouldn't have met so maybe there is something in that that somehow triggers it but I was also I, I don't know if you ever saw Band of Brothers about the, the landing of the of an, an, an American force on Omaha Beach I'm just fascinated I visit all these places I it is something in me I don't know I think it is also because it was the the biggest war that we had and we never mm. never ever want to have that again situations like that but I yeah. don't know it is something that also the liberation of women I mean men were sent to the to the to the front so women took over so it has also created a lot of of positions for women I don't know I I if I know the answer I might stop right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once you figure it all out you'll just you'll you'll change you'll stop writing it and you'll move on to another to another uh, time period yeah yeah. Uh, well, do you do you, now? Okay, so you do a lot of research, obviously. Now, do you do that ahead of time, or do you start writing and then do do the research as you go along? I do both. So now I'm writing the Norwegian Assassin, the fourth book in the series mm -hmm. in Norway. I knew very little about the war in Norway. So I, I start, I usually start just at, at Wikipedia. I start and then I go to other pages, but 
I mean, for historical fiction, Wikipedia, I mean, for a long time, it's been frowned upon, it gives, gives a lot of good sources as well. And then I can't stop reading anymore. I'm, I'm following <laughs> all the threads and I'm going, and at some point I really have to stop myself. You're going so down the, the rabbit hole. <laughs> The broader picture I have of the story and what it is like and who did what. But when I'm writing, I actually research the nitty gritty things like mm. the kind of guns they used or the cities they went to or the what have you, what kind of uniforms there were. You know, I mm. don't research that is when it comes up in the situation that I need to research that. I tend to do my research as I go because... Uh, as I've mentioned in a previous podcast, I am a total pantser. Like, I don't plot anything. I am a total sit down at a blank keyboard with, you know, a vague idea of my characters in my opening situation. And I just start writing. And I just kind of let the, the story play in my head like a movie. And I just start typing. And so I do tend to do my research as I'm writing. I'll just come up upon a, a situation. I'm like, okay, my character is going to do this. So I maybe I need to go and Google this and check this out and see what I do some research over here and see if I can figure out what I need to do. Now, it was kind of a little exception to that, but not really. I, I wrote my book, Burning for Her Kiss, which is a BDSM novel but it's a femdom novel and she runs a bakery, oh. which I know, I don't know, I, I've never ran a bakery, but I have a lot of food service experience. So I didn't need any, I didn't need any help figuring that out research. I knew plenty about the food service industry. I was good there. However, he, my hero and my submissive in this story was a captain in the St. Louis fire department. Wow. So I actually contacted the St. Louis fire department and I was directed after a few back and forths to the press rep for the St. Louis Fire Department, who also happens to be a captain and who also happens to be a regular on Live Rescue these days, <laughs> the TV show. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he's a really great guy. He really is. He, he helped me. He worked with me for six months I had his, I had his cell phone number and anytime I would have a question, I would give him a call and sometimes he would answer. Sometimes he'd have to call me back, but he, uh, he helped me. I mean, we, we went over the day-to-day life of a firefighter, what their duties were, what days of the week they did certain things. I mean, we did the whole nine yards and I had to, because the way their scheduling is, I actually had to create a calendar in in Google to track which days he would be working and which days he wouldn't (laughs) so that I could coordinate my story to make it work with their schedule because they have a, it's called a California swing. So it's a nine, it's a nine day rotation, essentially. They don't, they don't work the whole nine days, but the rotation is, is a nine day anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to, so in order to keep that straight, I had to have a calendar of Drew's working schedule while I was writing it so I could figure out, it's like, okay, I can't have him go to the club on this day because he's working. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had to wait and make it do next night or whatever. It was, it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. But that was, that was a little nuts. Did you actually meet up? Did you go to St. Louis also? Well, I did go to St. Louis, but unfortunately I did not get to meet him. I did take him a uh, book, a signed copy of the book, and I dropped it off. However, unknowns to me, because I didn't know that. I knew, we figured he would be working because he's a pre- he's the PR rep. So he has a little more normal hours, but he's on call all the time. But uh, anyway, he happened to be on his honeymoon. <laughs> Uh, the week that we were down there uh, uh, so i did how not far get away is that from you how far away is it it is about six and a half hours so not very far okay okay far. Wow. so yeah it, it hopefully i'll hopefully i'll be able to go back again one day and actually yeah, get to meet him face that would to face really but it was such a great trip because we we yeah. really really made an event of it my husband went with me and we we took it we were there for uh, a book signing PenchCon, but we went a few days ahead of time so we could see the city so we got to try st louis pizza yeah. and we got to try st louis barbecue mm-hmm. which uh, there is this place if you have ever if you ever get a chance to go to st louis i highly recommend or if any of our listeners are listening out there and they are there, get a chance to go to St. Louis, there is a barbecue place called Pappy's. And it is utterly amazing. It is so, okay. so good. In yeah. fact, I actually wrote it into one of my books. It's in, uh, oh, I wow. actually, yeah. My- yeah I, I think it must be a magical place to go yeah. to. I mean, I would definitely love to, to go and see St. Louis. Uh, yeah. it, it, it was very, very cool. I mean, we got to go. Our hotel wasn't very far from the the baseball stadium. So we could actually, out of our hotel room, we could actually look in, look out the hotel, our hotel room window and see the lights of the stadium at night mm. on the nights they were playing. So it wasn't very far away. So, and they have this really cool thing in St. Louis, at least we're like in downtown where there's a bus that you can get on that actually does like a two mile circle around the downtown. So you can get on for like a dollar, at least mm. it used to be a dollar back then, get on for like a dollar and take it in, you know, all around the city center and get off anywhere you wanted. I mean, just every time you got on, it was a dollar, but you could take it around to like different places. If you wanted to, mm-hmm. you didn't want to walk to a restaurant that was like a mile away. You could just mm-hmm. take the bus over. You could hop on the bus and go over there. So it was mm-hmm. kind of cool. It was, yeah. it was very, very neat yeah. experience. I think that is what writing these books do. I mean, I did research on the spot for my In Piccadilly Fields. And I actually went to pray, uh, pay tribute to my uncle, his commemorate, uh, great uncle, his, who's commemorated on the Chepval Memorial. It gives such, so much more. So you went after you, you wrote the book. I, I went while I was writing the book and I researched mm-hmm. it. And, uh, and I mean, walking there on these rolling hills and realizing that millions of young men had been killed there and it was so silent. 
the fields yeah. were so sad. I hear that also from battlefields in, in the, the US. It has a certain atmosphere, you know, and I was like, yeah, it is very special to be able to go to a place where you write your book about or, but your book wasn't, was it, it wasn't situated in St. Louis. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, set. it's yeah. actually, okay. actually, it's a series. My series is set in St. Louis. Um, my, oh, okay. my Serpent's Kiss series is set in St. Louis. So uh, welcome to Serpent's Kiss, which is the first one. It's a pre, it's the prequel. So it's a short, it's only about 12,000 words. And it just introduces the club mistress because it's a BDSM series. It takes place around a private BDSM club in St. Louis. So you just get to know the club mistress and um, kind of how things are set up at the club and get to meet a few of the club members. But then the first full book, the first full novel in the series is uh, Burning for Her Kiss, which is the one with firefighters yeah, yeah. that I did. Yeah. And then second full book in the series, Longing for His Kiss, is the one where I actually use some of the the research that I'd done from my physical trip there and okay, incorporated, right, they, are, yeah. they went on, they went on a date to Pappy's. So barbecue. yeah. Okay. There it comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you have a specific reason then to set your, your uh, series in St. Louis or was that just, is that a well-known place for? Well, I, all of my, all of, yeah, all of my books are set in the Midwest. So I, I just, I have uh, my Finding Anna series is in uh, Minneapolis. My Serpent's Kiss series is in St. Louis. Uh, Strictly Professional is in Chicago. And then my Daniels Brothers series and Seducing Janie are all kind of here and there. I've got one in, uh, one is in Springfield, Ohio. One is in Indianapolis, uh, and Indiana. Do, you know all, do you know all these cities? Do you know them well? Some more than others. Uh, Springfield, I know very well. Springfield's only about, because I live in Ohio, so Springfield's mm. only about an hour and a half away from me. So and I've been you, there. Yeah, because I write books about places like I'm now writing about Norway or going to write. I, I've never been to Oslo, but... Mm. Um, I, I research it. I, my first book was on <laughs> uh, that I brought out the contemporary one on Casablanca. I've never been to Casablanca and readers. <laughs> oh wow, the description of Casablanca is, is like perfect, you know. And I'm like, yeah, like, okay. I do. I do a lot of googling and just try to like, especially like places. I usually use use the research portion just for if I want my characters to go someplace or if I'm, if they're, when they're like, when I went had for Strictly Professional, when I had them go there, you know, they worked in downtown Chicago. So I had them kind of walking around downtown Chicago a little bit. And I wanted that to be fairly accurate. So I looked up some things that were in downtown Chicago, looked up the, the skyline, kind of the city map and things like that to yeah, kind yeah. of get an idea yeah. so but that I wasn't totally out. Yeah. But that is also a risk then that that may change in time or not. Yes, it, it may. Although the things I tend to tend to reference are, are kind of like iconic type things. Yeah, so I would hope that yeah. they wouldn't be changing anytime soon. I mean, like in Chicago, you have something called the bean or they call it the bean. It's this big, like bean shaped metallic 
statue mm. in a park but it, it's it, it's a place that people actually tourists go and take pictures in front mm-hmm. of and visit and things like that so it's yeah. a major iconic type thing yeah so I don't anticipate it going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> okay, so uh, I have to I, I have to come back to you because actually the start of the Parisian uh, the Parisian spy the, the very start is in Boston, but then she goes mm-hmm. home to Chicago. So I I wrote a little bit about Chicago in the 1930s, but that was all. I've never been there. I've been to Boston. But I've never been well, to thank Chicago. goodness. Thank goodness for Google is all I got to say, yeah. because I but, do. Uh, you, you might have to check it out and see if it's actually accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, we're actually, yeah. we should probably wrap things up. Uh, it's yeah. been fun chatting with yes. you. This has been yes. awesome. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, I have so many questions still to ask, <laughs> but there will be more podcasts with there Sherry will. and me. There will, there will. Um, if for those who are listening uh, and are new to the podcast, there are five of us and we all write in different genres. We have Hannah, of course, writes in historical fiction. I write sexy contemporary romance and BDSM romance. We have uh, two authors that write in uh, paranormal, although they kind of do a little bit different, different spectrums of the paranormal. Uh, the one of them also does sci-fi. And then we have another author that kind of has a lot of different genres. She does uh, everything from YA, paranormal, contemporary, uh, romantic, uh, we have comedy. I mean, we, we really do. We, we we cross with between all of us. We've got most of the uh, most of the genres covered. Just, so horror. We don't do horror. No, that is, yeah, that's actually the one I would say probably yeah no, and I don't really like horror. So yeah. I, that's, that's like my least favorite genre. So I have no yeah. <laughs> no the, no desire to go there. But thank you all for listening and i hope you had as much fun as hannah and i have if you'd like to check out my books the easiest way to do that is at my website and that is www.sherryhayesauthor.com or you can find all of my books on amazon nook apple kobo and google play and i do have a box set that just went on pre-order called boys in blue it is two law enforcement romances so if you would if you're uh, like a man in uniform you may want to check those uh, check that one out hannah you want to give your information and tell everybody how they can find you but do check out sherry's book i love 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 the the cover just have a look at it and then read yeah, it. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. cover. I love it. So, yeah, you can find me easily at www.hannabyron.com. So I have a pre-order as well, The Parisian Spy, a very suspenseful book on the Second World War and how a young uh, doctor ends up being the personal physician of a Gestapo leader and oh everything goes wrong or not <laughs> anyway and you can uh, find me i just have i'm i'm exclusive to amazon at the moment i'm also in kindling unlimited so thank you for listening thank you for listening yeah see you soon bye, bye.